Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi, and welcome to this special edition series of the Modern Divorce Podcast. I'm Nancy Conrad, and I work behind the scenes here at Modern Law. In the next five episodes, starting here, we're taking a look at the heartbreaking case of a baby boy who was the focus of a divorce between two very young parents. The first I'd heard about it was a chilling report on the news. 19-year-old Madeline Jones went missing Thursday afternoon, along with her nine-month-old son, William. Carla Neverette here now after speaking with Madeline's parents in Mesa. Carla? Well, Jared, just two weeks ago, Madeline, or Maddie as her family calls her, divorced her husband, Jacob Gokener of Montana. The two had been married okay, for about so a Okay, so let me just hold up for a minute to review. We've got a young mother and her baby who've gone missing, and she's just been through a contentious divorce. Full disclosure here, this is a divorce that your podcast host, Billy Tarasio, had been involved in. And she called me, I'm her mother, but more importantly, I have a PR company and I work on Modern Law's website and social media content. So when Billy called me and said, I should turn on the news to hear this report, honestly, I didn't know what to think. were left behind at the Mesa home. All of these things signaling to her parents that Maddie was taken abruptly. They've filed a missing person report with the Mesa Police Department. Today, they reached out to Maddie or whomever is with her with this plead. Just that we love her and we want to know that she's just to call us. Okay and alive and that William's okay and alive. Just to call us because because I we're such a close-knit family. I would think that she would at least call us, you know. So now you've just met the parents of this young mother, Cassandra Jones, known as Cassie, and Roland Alex Jones, who his friends call Alex. It's no surprise that they're heartbroken that their, their daughter, their sweet baby grandchild are missing, and by their account, they might well have been kidnapped. In fact, it was the morning of June 17, 2017, when Roland called to report Maddie and baby William missing. How can I help you today? I'm not sure who to talk to or what to do. Um, I'm just really worried. Uh, we haven't seen uh, or heard from my daughter since uh, yesterday evening about 5.30 with um, her son. And um, we haven't heard from them. We're supposed to be in contact with them. and haven't been able to get a hold of them or find out anyone that knows where they are. And um, that her stuff is at the house still, like her wallet and her phone, and just very concerned and trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So it's pretty clear at this point that Roland Alex Jones and his wife Cassie think that their former son-in-law, Jake Gokenauer, had uh, somehow taken Maddie. And in the rest of the call, which goes on for several minutes, the police operator tries to ferret out information. Roland describes what Maddie looks like, a five foot five woman with blonde hair, about 150 pounds, 
Mind you, this is a dad guess. I'm thinking, so we can't really be sure, right? And that Maddie wasn't there when they got up in the morning. Later on in the call, the police operator thinks to ask, any custody issues? Any custody issues? Uh, yeah, there are custody issues. Currently, a, a custody. I'm sorry? Currently, a, a custody going on in the courts. That's the cause of the stress that she's been under. Well, we've certainly heard about difficult custody issues, but, but the weird thing is, is that the, the divorce court ruling that happened just days before Maddie's disappearance was for shared custody. The, the two young parents were going to get equal time to spend with baby William. So why would the father, Jake Gokenauer, kidnap his own baby and Maddie Jones? Well, it was just a day later that Jake got a chance to make his appearance on TV, pleading for Maddie's return Mesa mother with and baby her William. baby have been missing since Thursday. Her parents filed a missing persons report, and tonight we are now hearing from the baby's father as well as her grandmother. Carla Navarrete, live in our newsroom with the very latest on this case tonight. Carla? And seeing, I can tell you that today the lawyers for Jacob Gokener asked a judge to give him full custody of the baby, and it was granted. In that court paperwork, they cite the mother's past behavior and the possibility of her having a mental illness as the reasons why the baby could be in harm's way. A worried father and grandmother in Mesa today sharing with us that they fear for baby William's life. 19-year-old Madeline Jones and the baby disappearing from their Mesa home last Thursday. We're saying this is something to worry about. This is some, this, this weather out here is insane. She doesn't have a car. She doesn't have a purse. This is not the way that someone who is rational behaves. Okay, you're hearing Andrea Gokenauer. She is the grandmother, Jake's mom, who is stepping up to have her say with the TV station. What is her next irrational step with this baby? So we feel like now there's an order in place that if somebody sees something, this baby can be safe. Last night, Madeline's parents made a plea for her to call and let them know she and her baby are okay. Today, the baby's father sharing with us he's only seen his son twice since birth. Last Wednesday was the beginning of his parental visits when Madeline and baby William disappeared. There is a history of mental illness in their family, um, so I'm very much concerned for this. This is the first time she's been so extremely unrational, and, and I think she's very much desperate. Like she just lost in court, and I got parenting time two weeks ago. Parenting time started, she really didn't like that happening. So all of these, these avenues, which she thought were, were good for her, are closing. And so I think she's desperate, and I'm, I'm very much worried. Madeline hasn't been seen on social media. And as the days go on, the worry only grows. Jacob, Madeline's ex-husband, has this for Madeline if she's watching. Just to be safe and please bring him back. I don't know why it has to go so far all the time. I don't know why it has to keep getting worse and worse. I want to be a good parent. I'm trying to be a good parent. I'm doing the best that I know how to do. And I want to be part of his life. So I just want him to come back. And if you have any information on Madeline's whereabouts, you're asked to call the Mesa Police Department in the newsroom. Carla Navarrete, CBS 5 News. So now we have a case of he said, she said. It's all very confusing. And there are camps forming on both sides. Friends of the Joneses are rallying around them. 
and friends of the Gokenauers are rallying around them. The problem for the Gokenauers is that they live in Montana, and this case is taking place in, in Arizona. So they don't really have as much support as the Joneses do. Plus, Maddie is looked at as a vulnerable young woman, and she made lots of accusations about Jake that appeared in the divorce court. Let's just take a look at some of the things she said happened between them. Now, I'm just going to read you something that was part of their divorce paperwork. This is from a law enforcement report out of Montana in May of 2016, a year before the divorce, where she claimed that she'd been kidnapped. On May 9, 2016, I was kidnapped by my husband, assisted by his mother, and held for seven hours until my parents were able to get the local sheriff's office to intervene. They had planned to keep me in Montana indefinitely against my will. The sheriff's department completely mishandled the situation, including having conflicts of interest, a lack of report for five months, a lack of a statement taken from the victim, no investigation, and complete falsification. Well, I'm not really sure what that's all about, but here's here's more on the background of what happened. On May 5th, 2016, flew into Great Falls to visit my husband. Our plan was to move to Mesa, Arizona for delivering my baby since I had insurance through my dad in Arizona and to attend school. Jacob had gone to Montana to work on his parents' farm for the summer, but ended up substitute teaching instead. I planned to stay for a few weeks. Part of the reason for going was trying to reconcile with Jacob, as he'd been very abusive to me since we got married. The rest of Maddie's report in in this particular narrative to law enforcement and the divorce court notes the goings-on in the household and, and the things she felt, and it sounds like she's a young woman who felt very troubled. She also makes accusations that she was kidnapped at one point because they were riding in a car and she didn't want to be in the car. Um, She also lists here in bullet points, I was often denied medical coverage while married to Jacob. I was often denied food while married to Jacob and was only able to eat when I purchased food on campus with my ID card, which he only let me keep money on for the purpose of doing laundry. And that she says she was verbally, emotionally, and sexually abused while married to Jacob. And she calls that narcissistic and sociopathic behavior. So what was going on with Jake? Whenever a woman says she's abused, it's always important to find out the real story since historically we know these things are often swept under the rug or they're minimized. And as Cassie and Roland reached out to their supporters on social media, people were increasingly convinced Jake was a bad guy. Sure, they had started out as big supporters. They loved him at first, but as reports came back to them from Maddie, they were horrified that their daughter was a victim. And now Cassie shared with her followers that she feared the worst. We just know she is gone. We have all prayed about it. We feel like William is still alive somewhere being abused by that sick, sick, sick family. But that Maddie is with her heavenly father now. That's a pretty heartbreaking thing to say for a mom. And it brought out a whole lot of support by friends and family of the Joneses. And mind you, the Joneses who, well, they're very involved with their local church. They they were well known among their peers. 
they were known to help out every week. They, they involved their three daughters in various church groups and activities. Now, for those of us who live here in the Phoenix area, Mesa and its surrounding suburbs are home to a lot of devout and practicing churchgoers with the Latter-day Saints. And as an aside, I should mention that although technically you, you still hear people say uh, Mormons or even LDS and use those terms, the church issued a statement in 2019 asking to be called by its full name and its members as Latter-day Saints. So I'll try to use that uh, whenever possible, but you'll also hear people call them still LDS. So I wanted to talk to Billy to find out how she was approaching this situation and get a little more background on what had happened leading up to this point. So let's back up a little bit and talk about when you first became acquainted with this and when did you think something's really off? This was not your normal case. Pretty early on because um, the law firm got a call and um, Andrea and Rachel wanted to schedule a two-hour consultation. Billy's talking about Andrea Gokenauer and her sister, Jake's aunt, Rachel Guernsey. And so I didn't meet with Jacob. I met with Andrea and Rachel and they came in with binders and binders, documents and documents and set out in great painstaking detail to tell me about a map and incidents that had occurred in, you know, maybe a year prior um, surrounding Maddie and Jacob. And it took a long time for it to come out in the consultation, what we were actually talking about, which was, you know, the story of Maddie and Jacob. And Maddie and Jacob were very young Mormons who got married, attended BYU together, Then they went to Montana, um, where they were going to spend the summer with Jacob's family. And very shortly after that, there were very strange events that took place. And then she left. Maddie left. She went to Arizona with her family. She was pregnant at the time. And that was the beginning of their breakup. They were very, very young. And so she, she, you know, yes. So they, Andrea and Rachel, had all of their text messages back and forth that showed that they were in this loving, normal relationship. And then many, many, many months later, Maddie starts making claims that Jacob has been abusive, that Jacob's been abusive their whole marriage, that maybe other people in Jacob's family were abusive. And she filed divorce. She also got an order of protection against him. She also got an order of protection against his mother. And they were very frustrated with their lawyer who had not figured out how to get Jacob parenting time with his son, who was born, you know, somewhere here in the mix. And they were working with a Montana attorney at that point? Nope. They had an Arizona attorney because the baby was in Arizona and the case was in Arizona. Okay. The Arizona attorney that they had wasn't getting it done, wasn't taking proactive steps, wasn't, um, they didn't feel like they were well represented and they wanted someone who, would believe them and would take their case seriously and dive in. And and where were they at in the process of divorce? So what were you being employed to do at that point? Yeah, so they were midway midway through their divorce. They had already had an, a resolution management um, conference. Jacob had met the baby once in a courthouse 
Um, after that incident, Maddie accused him of sexually abusing the baby inside the courthouse, took the baby to the pediatrician, took the baby to the ER. Maddie claimed that he raped her on their honeymoon immediately after the wedding, immediately after the wedding. Hmm. And I didn't believe her and I deposed her and I asked her to give me details. Where were you? Where in the hotel room? What were you wearing? What did you say? Who did you call? Give me details. And of course she couldn't because these were made up stories. Okay. So you start out, you're like, this kid needs some defending. Yeah. And what is the the legal step that you're going to take. I mean, normally divorces, and I've heard you talk about this, they don't include a lot of components of who's right and wrong, who's bad and who's good. It's about how are we going to split up the property and how are we going to determine parenting time? And right. you had and more going yeah. on. Well, in this case, there was really no property. It was a very short-term marriage of very young people. Neither of them worked. Both of them lived at home and were young college students. Yeah. So we were really only talking about parenting time and legal decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, and it really surrounded on fitness. So Jacob wanted to share the baby. Maddie did not want to share the baby at all. Um, the former lawyer's you know, strategy was what a lot of lawyers would do. Look, don't worry about it. This will all come out in the end. Um, you're going to get parenting time. You're a good guy. But they wanted to take, the governors wanted to take a different approach. They wanted to prove that she was making things up, that she was lying, that she had some real, that, that her behavior was really questionable. And once she took the baby to the doctor to claim that Jacob had sexually molested the baby and the medical records showed that the baby's uh, genitalia was indeed red and swollen, I filed for emergency orders to move custody to Jacob. I said, look, Your Honor, we know and you know that she's been lying from day one, that this isn't true. You don't believe it, we don't believe it. But now they've crossed the line. Now they've started abusing the baby in order to create evidence because you know Jacob didn't sexually molest this child in the middle of the courthouse in public. And because Jacob had no contact with his son until um, until after the divorce, except for this one time. And this was like December, I think. Yes. So I think, you know, the baby was born in September. He would have been three months old. Okay. And then Jacob did not have parenting time until after the divorce decree gave him supervised parenting time at a facility for a number of weeks. Um, and that was mostly to make Maddie feel better. It was at those visits that he fed the baby formula. They um, claimed that this formula was making the baby very sick. You filed for custody at that point because you felt this was just not adding up. Did, did the judge agree with you? The judge did not agree. The judge said, look, you got trial in a month. <laughs> Because I think the Gauchners hired me in March and trial was in May. 
So this all happened so quickly. But this was the first time that anyone had taken a very offensive approach in their case. So um, not only are we going to say she's lying, but we're going to say that that is not acceptable and that's putting the baby in danger. We also filed to get temporary orders because his previous, previous attorney had not filed for temporary orders so that he could see the baby on an ongoing basis before the trial. Again, because it was so close, the judge said, no, you're right there. We're going to deal with it at trial. So all of these things were short-term losses, but they all mattered. Because by the time we got to the two-day trial, the judge had heard from us a lot. And that was our strategy. We wanted the judge to know that that this was a major case, that there was a lot going on, that, that he should pay attention because things were not adding up. Um, and by the time we got to the trial, you know, we had deposed Maddie. We had filed lots of documents. We had really moved the case forward. Had you deposed the parents at that point? No. Wasn't necessary, right? Wasn't necessary. Okay. And so you get to the um, the two-day trial in May. And what was the outcome of that? We won um, decidedly. The judge agreed with the judge uh, admonished Madeline. Um, The judge set up a pretty aggressive parenting plan for Jacob. Now the judge didn't cut away from Maddie. Mm -hmm. The judge said, look, you're stuck. You know, this is a, we don't believe you. This is the baby's father. He's going to have time with his father. Yeah. So it was a great win. We were, we were really excited. Jacob was excited but finally have a relationship with his infant who he had had no contact with. So So the judge ordered for two weeks for visitation to occur on a pretty aggressive schedule at a facility. And this was to protect Jacob and to protect Madeline because there was so much mistrust between them that, you know, the idea was if it takes place at a facility, the baby will have, have a chance to get to know Jacob and everything will be okay. Well, they immediately started fighting it filing their own motion saying, um, you know, I think the visitation was four hours and they filed motions saying the baby can't go four hours without breastfeeding. You, you, you know, you can't do it. So the judge broke it up into two, two hour segments. Like he was really trying to just facilitate like a normal relationship and really give her a pass because the judge called her out, but he gave her a pass and kind of a warning. But within I think it was on the third day that visitation was occurring, you know, and they were kicking and screaming the entire time. It was the third day, I believe, that the baby didn't show up. It wasn't, so the baby didn't show up. You know, they called me, we talked about it. It was, yeah, you know, you got visitation in the morning. Let's just go back and see if they show up then. Because I think they called the facility to say the baby was sick and he wouldn't be making it. So the facility told the governors, you know, they're not coming, baby's sick. We didn't file anything at that point. Um, you know, if the baby was indeed sick, which does happen, then, you know, you're going to see him the next day. So the next day they went, and again, the baby was didn't show up. That afternoon is when the parents reported Madeline missing. So that's where we were as of June 17, 2017. We don't know where Madeline and baby William are. Clearly the Jones family think Jake's family has something to do with it. 
he's an abuser, they say. And Billy, along with the Gokinars, clearly think the Jones family has something to do with it. We don't even know if something else has happened completely apart from the contentious divorce. Has Maddie driven off into some ditch and is helpless in the desert somewhere? Was she abducted by somebody else? Have they been murdered? In our second part of the Missing Baby Williams story coming up in our next podcast, we look at the growing army of social media sleuths who jump in to help look for the pair and unravel the facts in their disappearance. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you were anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info, I-N-F-O, at mymodernlaw.com.